0: guys, my name is El De Niro, and welcome to another episode of The Midnight Hour. We're actually etching closer to episode 100, and if you guys would like anything special for that episode, let me know, because I never do anything special, because I don't really get a whole lot of uh, suggestions that are workable at the time. But obviously, I have time in advance, and I will do what I can. We're opening the episode with a song today, because it's been a long time since I did, and this is one of my favorite songs. And uh, if that will impact on any of you in any way... I would be delighted. It's called Motorcycle Emptiness by the Manic Street Preachers. It's my favorite song from them, and it is on my favorite album of theirs, which is called Generation Terrorists. Uh, A lot of people will tell you the Holy Bible is a better album, and they're probably right, but I prefer Generation Terrorists, just because it has a special place in my heart and it's mainly because of uh, of this song motorcycle emptiness so anyways dr john is back on the show today we're going to discuss political correctness which was suggested on our subreddit if you want to go there and suggest a topic of your own it will be linked in the description or if you can't click links it's reddit.com slash or slash midnight hour if you want to buy a t-shirt there will be a link in the description that says society6 go there and you can buy some uh, some really cool midnight hour merch, I think, um, I own a lot of it myself, and so do a lot of my friends, because I bought it for them, and made them wear it, because, you know, it's promo, but, um, anyway, this is a, uh, really meaty topic, and plenty of points on which myself and Dr. John disagree, which I think you guys will be interested in, because there have been many calls for me to have a guest with whom I disagree, and, uh, I don't know. I guess it says something about uh, the chemistry between me and John that you guys don't think we disagree on stuff, but there are plenty that we disagree on, and uh, that will come to uh, to light in this episode. I'm making it sound like we had a big fight. That doesn't happen. It's a civil discussion, and I really, really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to more topics and more episodes along these lines. So if you guys are enjoying it, let me know. Uh, leave a comment. Like, I don't... I'm not going to, like, cry out for likes on this. It doesn't really matter. The Midnight Hour doesn't really grow by because of likes uh but rather comments and you know uh word of mouth and stuff like that so hey if you enjoy it leave a comment that says you enjoy it and uh if you're on soundcloud leave a repost or something to that effect a little part of me dies every time i have to ask for stuff like that because you just feel terrible about yourself (laughs) anyway um we will get into the episode and i hope you guys enjoy it Joined today by Dr. John, returning once again from beyond the grave, once again.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: and today we're going to talk about political correctness. This topic was actually suggested on the subreddit by Koda Sam, and there have been other topics suggested that we are also going to get to, but at the moment, this was sort of the pressing topic for us to discuss. So mm. here we are. So we're going to talk about political correctness. Um the definition according to Google of political correctness is the avoidance of forms of expression or action that are perceived to exclude, marginalize or insult groups of people who are socially disadvantaged or discriminating against discriminated against um and yeah the i i guess y- you mainly hear political correctness in the sense of it's political correctness gone mad Um, For about five years there My power in the verse can stop me Political correctness was when Mm. people were saying You can't say faggot anymore That's political correctness gone mad And uh, (laughs) for a long time That was my stance on political correctness That it's just People who are angry that they're not allowed To be openly prejudiced anymore Um, But I suppose It's morphed into something much stronger than that Or at least the discussion surrounding it has uh has just become its own thing now, and mm. um and we're gonna solve it like we solved consciousness.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: So that's good. Um, so first up, uh, you wanted to talk about education, and I attempted to discuss political correctness in education with um my co-host Jack, who's obviously not here in this episode. Um, <laughs> but the episode that we did was sort of about our personal experience. And Mm. neither of us have come into contact with the aggressive form of political correctness that shuts down discussions in universities. And I've been to four schools. I've never seen anything like it. In fact, I would say the opposite of it was true, particularly in my last Mm. school. Um, And, like, Jack had a a sort of a a similar thing. Um, I don't know, does it even happen on this side of the world, or is it a specifically U.S. sort of problem?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's worse in the US yeah. uh, for a number of reasons. But I have experienced it over this side in kind of my alma mater Trinity College. Uh, I did notice that I, th- I think one summer evening or summer afternoon, they were engaging in a, a walk of shame for, for white men in particular, to walk kind of along uh, an area designated in front square of Trinity College. And while they're walking, to be aware of all the privileges they have in their lives and how they should be ashamed of these that they have kind of over and above other more marginalized groups of society. And, and to recognize these and almost atone for them it was quite a religious experience. I thought that they were trying to impose on others it was really, really strange.
0: That is strange for a number of reasons. Like, <laughs> I I, th- I don't think many people would doubt that historically it's been advantageous to be a white man, like particularly in... Like the post-agricultural revolution um, period, obviously, because we didn't have the civil rights movement until the 60s, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess you have to when you talk about white male privilege, that obviously includes heterosexuality as well. Um, obviously, like women didn't have the right to vote until the early 20th century in most places, stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's fine, but I don't understand what an Irish white person has to feel privileged exactly about. um particularly um, emphasizing the Irishness of that because Irish people themselves are a historically downtrodden people like I I just don't understand how we are supposed to be bearing the brunt of what like say a 1950s American white guy or what what our perceived privilege of a 1950s American white guy is you know like, what are we doing by, yeah
1: by having a walk
0: shame about that i don't understand at all
1: how many people participated in that uh i think uh there were not as many as they hoped but uh it was still a significant group and you know like uh you have the people kind of it's, it's like at a circus you know you have the like ringmaster or whatever trying to encourage it and getting their fellow i don't know what you would call it imps to uh, encourage mm-hmm. more people to take part and it's just a really weird thing though like it's it's just really strange. I think uh, it really dissolves the idea of the individual person, like every single individual has their own hardships, has their own struggles, and to just kind of, okay, so we might say that there is inherent privileges about being a white male, if you take it on average, and if you take into account the fact that, okay, let's look at statistics pertaining to health, education, etc. right, especially in Ireland, perhaps, Um than like uh, internationally like with the us you said in the 1950s but to tell people that they should be ashamed of their own race opens up a huge pandora's box of problems like it's intrinsically discriminatory and it's a disgusting way to to view the world you know what i mean to basically tell people that i'm going to judge you less based on the color of your skin like it how does that happen in a university, you know what I mean? Which is supposed to be like kind of the, the melting pot of ideas where you challenge things, you stand up for yourself, you speak your mind, you don't uh, just shut down debate or, or shut down discussion because of such trivial factors as the amount of melanin present in your skin.
0: Yeah, yeah. That it's just is a
1: really strange regression. And I think that's what's come to encapsulate the idea of the regressive left, because unfortunately now, from what I can tell, it's a much more common phenomenon within the left as a as a movement. Obviously, there are problems with trying to uh, disentangle the left from the right. And I feel I fall left on certain topics and right on certain topics. And I, I presume a lot of people do as well. I never understood sort of that kind of very fundamental level of identity politics where you're going to follow a particular person or politician sh- sh- like based uh, purely on where they place themselves on that yeah. spectrum yeah i just uh, don't really understand that i think like the ancient greeks the inventors of democracy sort of had it a, a bit different where like the the elders or the politicians would meet and talk about things and and people would just vote with a, a, a white pebble or a black pebble either yes or no for a motion. i'm not sure if they had certain uh uh kind of i don't know polarities of politics where politicians fell or, or housed themselves within
0: yeah uh, it's kind of just the topic of democracy itself i suppose is a whole another thing that's been convoluted by i mean just the the international banking system and what that's developed into like that probably has a larger influence on democracy than like any other thing at the moment
1: yeah and
0: i think just that being true has sort of um failed to halt aggressive political correctness because it it wouldn't be financially advantageous for them to to do so, and, and like, they don't feel the need to or or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. But that's a a whole nother discussion, I suppose. Exactly, Um, yeah. Can you talk about, like, uh, an instance of education in America being... uh, halted or um, yeah, you know, infringed yeah, I think, by uh, political correctness?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I, I think the most recent one and the most salient one um, from my point of view would be that involving a uh, biologist professor, Brett Weinstein, in Evergreen State College. And essentially, this college has a day, a year, from what I can remember, where there's no whites allowed, no white people allowed, where the university is set to uh, kind of only allow people of colour in, I presume minorities, and it's to make other people aware of their own privilege, to give other people a chance to not feel like they're a minority anymore. I guess that was the intention. But uh, Professor Weinstein said uh, no, I'm coming to school that day, I'm going to teach that day, and I want my students to be there. And he faced an, an enormous backlash just for that. And uh, students protested his presence, uh, protested the, the staff and the administration, and they essentially forced the president of the college to capitulate to their demands. It was actually like a hostage situation. If you watch the videos, they were very upset actually that the videos were were taken of their actions and it's it's almost kind of Lord of the Flies meets I don't even know like taken with the <laughs> like or I don't even know like or uh, it's, it's just madness and uh, like you can just hear them screaming I think they locked the administration into their offices wouldn't even let them out when they wanted to go to the toilet and told them that they need to, this this is the reality they have to face as uh, privileged white people. And uh, that, that professor, Brett Weinstein, uh, refusing to, to capitulate to their demands, faced an enormous backlash and actually think subsequently he's had to change address and, They basically kind of reform his identity and uh, kind of take his family up and and move them elsewhere—it's horrifying.
0: That's really, really weird. Yeah. Why would a school have a tradition of not allowing white people to come to school that day?
1: Exactly. Um, Why would it? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't really understand. Like, I haven't looked into it. Like, maybe there's something in it. Like, historically, it's a day where they they did it to celebrate. Uh, like, I don't know, the the equality of, of rights as it was achieved, mm. and they did it to, like, mark that day or something like that.
1: But... but surely, I think, the highlight of the achievement of equality is when a black and a white person, et cetera, sit together and there's no mention of their differences, right? Surely that's when you know advancement has been made. If you're still alluding to how different we are, then you're basically just reinforcing that which you set to overcome.
0: Yeah, it's, like, I definitely have grown tired of listening to people start a sentence with, well, as a white male, I, yeah, all of yeah. that stuff. Like, I don't know, yeah. like, I'm not into it. My listeners will know that I fall in favor of political correctness on, like, so many things. Like, I don't really have a problem with just the nebulous concept of political correctness in abstract as <clears throat> as it is. It's fine, and I think a lot of the times where... I'm sort of railing in favor of it is when it's just in the face of like actual racism or mm. actual misogyny. Um, yeah. But th- these cases of of the universities in America are getting more and more insane with each one. Like the first exactly. time I heard it, I-, I was thinking to myself, right, uh, like this seems fair enough. They're protesting against racism, and then time after time, like video footage emerges, like what you mentioned, and um, first-hand yeah. accounts of it and things like that.
1: Um, exactly
0: and it's it's just like i there there are a lot of things that happen in america that make me take a step back and say like (laughs) fuck like what the hell uh yeah and this is another case of that it's it's exactly it's it's like normal um like uneducated arguments but on steroids and in the center for education like
1: yeah yeah. And it's always important to contextualize these things. Like Context is always important. You can't uh, devolve content from context. And if we look at America, it seems to be the only country, well, the United States of America, the only country in the world that has free speech basically enshrined into its constitution. Like, you don't need to look too far uh, to throughout Europe and you sort of see shit is free speech kind of under attack. You have hate crimes, hate speech with people being imprisoned in the UK. You have the EU collaborating with people, like groups like Twitter and Facebook to kind of get a control or a censorship model in place for how people kind of discuss things and how people speak their minds, which I think is very, very insidious and very, very nefarious. And I think that's why it's, it's kind of important to contextualize it as occurring in the United States of America as a country where free speech is enshrined in its constitution. And I, could, I, I think that's why it scares people more so than when it happens elsewhere, if you know what I mean, because that sort of is, in some ways, a beacon of free speech in the Western world, the United States. And I think there was a recent Supreme Court ruling where they said hate speech is free speech, and that's maybe an interesting thing we can get onto it later, um, at least from a kind of philosophical and logical discussion to talk about hate speech and why perhaps it is a necessary evil because what you get The the bad you get from allowing hate speech is over or outweighed by the good you get by allowing any and all speech to occur in the first place. Um, But then to also contextualize the PC debate and political correctness. So there's critics of it, as the feminist uh, Camille Paglia, who I discussed in the last uh, podcast, uh, she kind of pointed to a book by a uh, author called Alan Bloom, who uh, wrote The Closing of the American Mind. And he basically talked about that, how kind of there was sort of a endeavor by the kind of educational elite in America to close off certain areas of discussion to kind of tell people that, no, these things aren't up for debate. We can't talk about these things. They're either set in stone, in which case, what's the point in talking about them or they're out of your grasp, dependent on you and your demographic, uh, constitution. And he said that and he wrote this in 1987 and he basically said that was the kind of the beginning of the end of education from a free speech libertarian perspective. Um, and so it's a really recent phenomenon and people need to realize that it, it, it really didn't occur, the term politically correct didn't really occur in common parlance up until like the latter half of the 20th century. So yeah. it really is something that we're coming to, to grapple with now. And it's a recent phenomenon. And I think that the chaotic time we're in at the moment, uh, for to coin kind of uh, Jordan Peterson's way of describing the world as we find it at the moment in the state of affairs that we're immersed in, it's... It's sort of like it's a monster. The... <laughs> it is. It's a dragon.
0: That's yeah. I, I love Jordan and Peterson, seen. and I say that uh, I say that um, in a nice way. <laughs> he, he does have a tendency to equate things to fairy tale villains, and yeah. And,
1: like, and then you open it, you open it out, and it's a monster. <laughs> open <laughs> it out. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that a lot. What a yeah, guy! I know he's amazing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's a really recent phenomenon. Uh, the United States is special because they actually have free speech enshrined in their constitution, and I don't see that going away anytime soon, mm-hmm. From which I think, as a libertarian, in some ways, that's fantastic. And I think that it'll be great to have that, like, m- hugely influential uh, geopolitical area to contrast the evolution of the EU with the collaboration with Facebook and Twitter going on as to how far we deviate from them.
0: yeah how much of a threat do you think that is
1: well i think it's always impossible to predict how much of a threat something is until it occurs but i definitely think we're seeing the ramifications of it already like with terms like islamophobia i think that is hugely detrimental to discussing the importance of jihadist uh radical islam even kind of Muslim reformers are coming out now and saying we need to do away with the term Islamophobia because it's it's a misnomer, it's an oxymoron. There's nothing irrational to be afraid of a set of beliefs and ideology where one can logically deduce evil acts and carry them out in the name of the creator of the of the heavens, of the universe. It's not out of the question to follow to, to read the Quran, the Hadith, and the biography of Muhammad, the autobiography of Muhammad, and to basically follow isis's lifestyle you know what i mean yeah like you you can logically defend that through kind of a very fundamental interpretation of it
0: yeah yeah like so um a a thing that sam harris says a lot is that not all muslims are going to blow themselves up in a crowd of people but 98 percent of muslims in majority muslim countries think that homosexuals yeah. like homosexuality is a sin and that exactly like it's 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 like an immoral choice and things like that and, exactly um, and they think it should be
1: illegal and not only that though so not only do the majority of muslims would never blow themselves up but you can almost 100 percent correctly deduce that if somebody blows themselves up they were muslim
0: yeah i i have like an issue with that like i know that that's true and ab, like i know that that exists in the world like we can map that onto any case of uh, of suicidal terrorism that happens now in the world but t- terrorism is like a is like a, a cyclical thing and i i think it's just important that um in like the 50s and 60s uh, islamic countries or countries that were predominantly muslim uh, particularly that were not a theocracy um, like they didn't have this war. Like the people that Muslims kill the most, Muslim terrorists kill the most, are other Muslims, and like <laughs> that was never happening in the in the in the four, Like what? Well, like in the early twentieth century, all the way up. Um, and I feel like it's only. Oh well, no. The evidence does actually show that it is only s- since like Western meddling in the geopolitical sphere of the Middle East that that's when. Uh, like just the instability and and what that creates what that results in ultimately is terrorism and i think (laughs) as an irish white male but what i mean is as an irish person like that's in our history and i can definitely map that onto the middle east and make a case for it you know being true however i will concede that it is a lot easier to recruit people when you use the doctrine that essentially enables it
1: exactly yeah that's all i'm saying so. I, I I think maybe you interpret what I'm saying as be uh, as more than what I said. So I wasn't saying that there's a necessary link between Islam and suicide bombing. I was just saying that there seems to be a definite link, not necessarily a necessary one. Uh, if, for instance, I can predict the religion of almost every suicide bomber, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something necessarily wrong with Islam, but it does mean that there's something linking them together, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And that's obviously true, because the evidence shows that it's true. Yeah. You would kind of be a mad person to disagree with that point.
1: Sure. And also, with the likes of the Troubles in Northern Ireland and the IRA, uh, etc., they never would have engaged in suicide bombing. You know what I mean? They would have bombed and they would have killed indiscriminately, and it was a disgusting time, both from the Loyalist side uh, and the, the IRA side. But it was a, it was a different sort of terrorism
0: yes and no i would say like i think the reason that suicide bombing is a modern phenomenon is that the capability just wasn't really there in the past like i have looked into there was um uh a a line of infantry from some army in in the in history that I, i really can't recall right now and i only know because of age of empires too (laughs) <laughs> but um a petard like with those you remember the petards you, you create them in the castle and they have a big barrel over their shoulder and they kamikaze themselves into buildings and they cause damage but they it costs them their own lives
1: so, which civilization
0: uh any civilization it's a default unit oh, shit. okay yeah like but but that's a thing that existed in real life in the past and, and like not to mm-hmm. mention obviously uh the japanese kamikaze pilots but even there are other instances of people not necessarily willing to blow themselves up for a cause but willing to die for a cause and i think once the technology becomes available that you can blow yourself up as, while dying for the cause like I, I think that that's pretty much an equal kind of thing like gavrilo princep and the red hand who attempted to assassinate franz ferdinand for being a terrible band um <laughs> The the guy who threw the initial grenade towards um, Franz Ferdinand's limo or whatever, whatever kind of car it was at the time, um, he got caught. The grenade didn't go off and he took a, a cyanide capsule straight away. Like, it's just I think that if the technology were available, surely that guy is jumping right in there in that car with a vest on.
1: Well, I guess... The motive is very important, right? If you think that you're not dead after you kill yourself, that's a huge incentive to kill yourself like or to blow yourself. If you think you're going to eternal bliss after you uh, hit the button and blow yourself up, it, it's very, very hard or very, very easy to convince yourself to do it, if you know what I mean.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, Whereas like the...
1: if you think that you're just like, uh, viva la revolution, and you're going to kill yourself, but maybe in the future people will benefit from your sacrifice, but you're certainly not going to benefit because there is no God, as Nietzsche said, uh, then I think it's harder to get people onto your side. So in that way, from a sort of, not supernatural, but a divine and uh, otherworldly influence, I think that is kind of where the link sort of is is most apparent.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is actually true. Like, what you're saying is ultimately using... um a divine tool as a recruitment exactly. policy is more effective than like an oppressed civilization fighting against the, you know, in in the Yeah, exactly. Like
1: exactly. And I think when we're, while we're still in education, I know we deviated to religion a bit, but it's sort of similar. This whole postmodernist uh, cultural or neo-Marxism is sort of like the religion of the educational elites and how they want to organize their hierarchy of education the way that say uh, the Catholic Church or other religious entities organize their hierarchies, like, and they basically shape and focus the lens, forcing you to see the world as they want you to see it. And I think that's basically what's happened to education, especially in North America, where like predominantly, like it, it's it's vastly populated with self-proclaimed leftists, Democrats, liberals, etc. But that there's sort of a strand within that that sort of permeates. All discourse that's influenced by postmodernism and cultural Marxism.
0: Yeah, I I think postmodernism has just become a hip term that people plant on anything that they disagree with at this point. People on the right, I I I just think the concept of postmodernism is is incredibly complex. Um, Mm. I like I I have a feeling that most of the people who criticise it don't actually understand what it is, and I'm not talking about academics like Jordan Peterson, mm. who talk at length about it, I'm just talking about the type of right-wing that says they're a liberal, but, but is clearly right-of-center, mm. cl- cultural, libertarian... You know those types of yeah. bloggers who yeah. say things, and they'll criticize postmodernism, but I'm not sure that they quite understand was, what it is. Um, yeah. And, like, postmodernism, when you look it up, there are, like, a number of different definitions... For it, like it, it has its place in arts and literature, um, yeah. which is almost a separate application to the postmodernist worldview um, that uh, that runs parallel with the political correctness mantra um, yeah. of how you're supposed to see the world. But I, I, I read something online from a, some kind of professor who said that he was um, in one of his lectures. He asked his students what postmodernism is. Mm. and one of the one of the students answered it's when you just say everything in quotation marks which i thought yeah, was pretty yeah. funny um but he actually cited the simpsons as a postmodernist um uh like work of art because it builds on mm. everything that already exists and it changes it and it, it you know it makes it this shape shifting entity rather than Creating new stuff like every nearly every episode of The Simpsons parodies a movie in some way, or you know it makes a comment on politics and, and yeah, changes yeah, the, yeah. The, the lens of it. Um, and like that's that's kind of an easier way to understand what postmodernism is. And now if you can just yeah. imagine that, but changed into a political worldview and how typically. Countries and and uh, and kingdoms and stuff were run by white men and like now what if we had a black woman doing it and stuff like that and that's ultimately like the postmodernist sort of end game I guess um, yeah specifically when it comes to race and sex
1: yeah and like if you think back to like the 1970s where like wearing Nazi memorabilia was actually quite in vogue you know what i mean like joy division even the name joy division came from a section within a nazi camp where prostitutes were rampant it's where the nazi soldiers went to let off some steam it wasn't seen as a sign of paying respect or homage to nazism but it was a way to draw attention to the fact that we can look at things in a different way than the way they were intended
0: yeah i i am um, i saw paul joseph watson um saying something about that uh in the 70s um nazi memorabilia was in vogue and it was but it definitely came with the caveat of like edginess and i don't mean edginess in the yeah but like it's true like because madness were a band who started out that way and yeah it just it just like it drew ire and you know it made people stop going to their shows and they had a reputation for being a violent band and then they then they went like full ska and became a ska band
1: it must be love yeah yeah but i I don't know
0: it's accurate to say that that there was never a time where or like that in the 70s if you if you um had not because the sex pistols did it and they like had to stop doing it basically um sid vicious has uh like what was it Uh, an interview with some publication where he was asked about the Nazi stuff and he was like, oh, we just did it because there was some famous socialite woman at the time that was doing it. um, Okay. And they said it and then they stopped doing it because they didn't want to be associated with Nazis.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. Like, I I don't know how accurate that sort of um, outlook is because I feel like the end game of postmodernism is a world where fascism never comes back at all. Which I know is the great irony of, of how they're exactly, tackling yeah. it now, but the whole reason for this politically correct movement essentially is because of Hitler and never going back to that ever again. You know what I mean?
1: Well, it 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 isn't it isn't it isn't. I think I think the idea of postmodernism, like sort of originated in the nineteen eighties with French uh, sociologists who basically deducing from Uh, Artificial intelligence experiments found that computers were very, very bad at identifying objects when viewed from different angles. And so they deduced that looking at things from different points of view are as equally valid as looking at things from other points of view, because how can you tell a computer is wrong when it identifies it as X and then when you turn it around, it identifies it as Y, but it's looking at the it's the same computer and it's looking at the same object, but it's coming to two different conclusions, just depending on its viewpoint. And so I think that had a very stark implication on uh, how the postmodernist thought was influenced. And so people then decided that, okay, well, if two people look at things, then you can't say that one person is right and one person is wrong because their two viewpoints are valid. And I think in relation to education and postmodernism, it's that sort of implication that's that's running rampant and is is sort of uh, terrorizing the free thought movement and underpinning PC culture
0: yeah so one of the um, one of the sort of would you say he 's a leading spokesperson for like anti politically correctness um, Ben Shapiro
1: i I think actually I think what's even better than that is he's like kind of a, a voice of reason despite political correctness is as- opposed to perhaps something that's uh, ac- actively going against political correctness.
0: Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. His his mantra is facts don't care about your feelings.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: I think if you just think about that while you while you're getting outraged at things, it can help to put everything back into perspective. And Ben yeah. Shapiro is not really uh I don't really like him that much. I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, but I respect him because um, he he's really good in debate. He's very consistent. And yeah. he speaks from almost an entirely logical perspective. Um, yeah, I, yeah. He is deeply religious and thinks that homosexuality is a sin. And I think that that's... Does true. he, yeah? He does, yeah. Okay, it's, yeah. It, now, it's not his reason for opposing gay marriage. But I do yeah. suspect that someone who believes homosexuality to be a sin... Will latch on to any argument against homosexuality, yeah, yeah, because they believe it to be a sin. So, um, I don't know. That's not really. It's not really my place to say that he makes arguments against gay marriage mm. that are not within the scope of uh, a religious sort of lens. So, mm. like, fair mm. enough that, that you know he's allowed to do that. Um, but yeah. So I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Facts don't care about your feelings. Is is a pretty good way to approach. Uh. A lot of arguments i think
1: yeah and just in in, in kind of uh, contemplating the impact of kind of sectioning off areas of discourse from being allowed to be interrogated or being allowed to be debated like there's, there's an interesting hypothesis which i think we've touched on before the sapier wharf hypothesis yeah. which had uh, george orwell utilized quite well in, in 1984 and basically by removing uh words from someone's vocabulary you can in some ways remove the ideas associated with those words and like in relation to your earlier question as to like kind of what is going to be the the impact of this change or this focus of dialogue i really don't think we can tell
0: yeah Um, see um i'm gonna just give my brief Um, perspective because obviously the world is waiting for me to comment on political (laughs) the world stands by to hear what El De Niro um, local (laughs) local podcaster has to say Um, I don't think that it's I I think that all global politics going all the way back to um, like if you even start at 1945 it is a pendulum that swings and right now it is swinging in favor of the left to its absolute maximum, and Mm. it's being pulled back the other way by, I guess, people who are um, begging and fighting for a more open and honest discussion. And I don't know about you, but I can actually feel it being stripped back, and I don't know if it's because it's happening to me personally and that I'm understanding a little bit more about the fact that there are victims of political correctness because that's something i would have never said before that was my main argument was i'd be in the pub and some idiot at the bar would correct me in my private discussion that i'm having with my friend which has nothing to do with him and he'd be like oh the world's got to say political correctness blah 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 and and my first question is can you give me one instance of a victim from political correctness and generally speaking, the people that I was talking to would not have, uh, like, any, like, argument at all in in that. Like, they were really just mad that they couldn't say mean things anymore. And I I now understand that, like, there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Um, And with that, I can feel the pendulum shifting. I think it's going, I think it's slowly edging its way down um, before, yeah. before it's it's going to have another swing in the opposite direction. That's what I think. I, yeah. I wonder how it will play out, but like history is on my side with that thought, I think. so.
1: Yeah, and, and I think there's actually a duality to the force behind the pendulum swinging back the other way. I don't only think it's people pulling the pendulum back closer to the middle, but I honestly think that the left is in some ways combusting. Spontaneously combusting under the weight of its own kind of irony hypocrisy and inconsistency yeah yeah. i think the fact that like it's just an untenable position to hold uh that okay you can say things you can't say things you've a more you've more of a right to say this i've less of a right and like eventually that's just going to be set ablaze and we're going to be left with the embers from which the phoenix of sort of a new world order so to speak is going to emerge uh hopefully sooner rather than later
0: alex jones is that you (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, no um, I, I know what you
0: mean even though it did sound yeah. eerily uh satanic
1: <laughs> well like there are chemicals making the frogs gay so maybe <laughs> they've to too. I, I don't know yeah that's
0: true yeah no, poor alex true. jones
1: yeah but um know. like okay so in relation to your uh kind of allusion to victims of pc i would say in each and every person there is the idea and the propensity to speak one's mind and i think any attack on that is not only an attack on identity but it's an attack on freedom so while perhaps they won't be able to kind of or they weren't perhaps in your experience able to point out okay this victim that victim the other victim of political correctness i do feel that people love to speak their mind and people definitely see that as part of their identity and any semblance portrayed in the media or elsewhere of that being curbed does feel like an attack on your personal character so i'd say nearly that pc culture and with the sort of the censorship of how we can talk and what we can talk about is sort of an attack on each and every person if you use themselves as an independent uh free thinking person,
0: sure yeah
1: mm. um
0: I definitely agree with that um, are, are we gonna talk about the the figures in the current fight against political correctness?
1: yeah, I guess like kind of we we've alluded to some of of them and some of their issues i think one thing we didn't talk about with relation to education and it would be kind of a good segue to introduce one of the important figures at least uh, from my point of view in the kind of anti-pc culture pro freedom of speech debate is milo yiannopoulos a speaker i have a lot of respect for i think he's great and crazy at the same time yeah i was lucky enough to see him live actually in uh, a university in dublin and it was incredible, and the reception he got was was fantastic and amazing. But basically, he has been deplatformed in numerous colleges in the U.S., and I think none stand out in my mind more clearly and strongly than UC Berkeley, which basically resulted in the most fascist teardown of a public speaking event yeah. uh, like that than I can remember. And it basically ended up in a, like a Starbucks being looted, smashed to bits, fires being lit, like cars being destroyed uh just like vandalism beyond belief all in the name of non-fascism like the irony is just off the chart
0: yeah so i have a lot of things to say about milo um brilliant we've discussed him before but yeah um i think if you want to dis- like if you want to like two adults Discuss Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, I'm definitely down <laughs> for that. Um I, yeah, yeah. I I think he is just a clown, and uh, I don't, I don't even I I don't think there's anything sincere about him. I I think he's just railing against whatever the thing that's going to give him the most attention is, and I I don't know. I I um I will say this about Milo Yiannopoulos. I, I, I kind of think he's, like, I, I, like I, I don't have a, a good opinion of him at all. Um, but if he were speaking somewhere that was within walking distance of me, that it would not be out of my way to go and see him, I would go and see him and listen to what he has to say, and then I would be more equipped to debunk him or offer a rebuttal to what he's saying and why it's so mm. bad. And I don't really understand why other people don't, think that way, and I, I definitely just... I don't understand the burning your university to the ground. <laughs> no. It's,
1: like, it's, it's cosmic irony. Yeah, it's no, It's it, cosmic irony. It, it absolutely is, like,
0: it is a pure example of irony, but it's it's really baffling to me as someone who, like I've said, like, I lean with political correctness a lot of the time, and I'm definitely anti-Milo, but God, if you hate him that much, like, surely you either ignore it or else you go and and like observe it and then you craft your argument against it those are your two options
1: that's, yeah i don't yeah, know if yeah. that's
0: like i don't know if i just have a a pathological propensity to criticize or to analyze or to critically analyze but just the i i i, I i've never had that you know if i'm watching a tv show and i'm complaining about it right like that's kind of a um what like a satisfying thing to complain about a thing mm. that you don't like? Uh, you, what they're doing is the equivalent of like throwing the monitor out the window while they're watching yeah. a TV show. It's it's like it's destroying something that's yours to avoid something that you don't like. I don't
1: get it. Yeah, you know? yeah, but and it, it's just so bizarre the uh, the idea that okay, everyone's opinion matters. You need to listen. Like you know what I mean? Like kind of. What we talked about earlier with the postmodernist movement and every viewpoint is unique and special in its own way. Yet this person's viewpoint, we have to destroy at all costs because reasons.
0: I, I um, obviously it isn't Milo's fault, but he does do this on purpose to gain notoriety. Um, the language he chooses to use and just the verbs that he associates with things he disagrees with. It's where Jordan Peterson will like really in a really articulate way sort of describe, like, you know, even bring in, like we mentioned earlier, he'll he'll call something a monster, or he'll bring in, like, a fantasy villain, things like that. Yeah. Milo yeah. doesn't do that. He uses crass words and bold words, and um, his entire point about everything is, like, I don't care how outraged you are, look how obscene I'm being about a thing, and you can't even argue against me, because you know that I'm right about this thing. And it's like, I feel like he doesn't offer any real answers is a resolution like one of the things that that sort of um sparked my frustration with him as a as a as a character because i don't even believe that he is sincerely uh like i just i just don't think he's sincere at all but when he was on joe rogan's show and he was talking about what he calls trannies and he like he he chooses to call them trannies and like he just i i like just that alone right i think is is just a dick move because <laughs> that's Badum. actually yeah um but it's, it's like if, like, your name is John, and uh, obviously I can't make a fucking nickname out of that, so I wish I chose a different name when I spoke just then. Jay! But if your name was Kenneth, and you were like, just call me Ken, <laughs> and I was like, okay, Kenneth, why, do you not like being called Kenneth, Kenneth? Is that we don't like Kenneth? Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like shut the fuck, like, you're just being a dickhead at this point for the sake of it, because you know that it's going to draw ire, it's going to spark, like...
1: But uh, you're conflating groups with individuals, which I think is really problematic. Well no right. what, I, what I'm
0: what I'm saying is like just just that one thing I don't like but then his actual thing about uh transgender uh, like what his actual stance is is not even an immoral stance or, or like not even an incorrect stance um in, in well some would argue i I don't know the science of it because I'm not a scientist but I have read from um I actually one of my friends who's a biologist was telling me that um like so there is such a thing as, as uh, gender dysphoria, where the mm. sufferer um, genuinely thinks that they're a member of the opposite sex. And then there's uh, um, like just the whole mental aspect of, uh, like when I say mental, I mean the internal, your brain, yeah, and yeah. that going on with um, with transgenders and the fact that um, sex change-offs don't necessarily actually lead to any increase in quality of life or, or, exactly. um, or, or drop of suicide uh, rates or anything like that. But Milo is just like, yeah, they they have a mental disorder, and they're disgusting, and they're... Like, he's not like, here's why the discussion is wrong, is because it's actually a mental problem, and we need to be helping these people. Like, we need to... Uh, instead, he's just like, oh, they're disgusting, they don't... Deserve, uh, like, You know what I mean? He He just he doesn't have anything to say. It's just, this is horrible, this is disgusting. They are yeah. disgusting to look at. You know, that's a man. Like, it's just like... Just like fuck off. Like, well I
1: have I have heard him say in other interviews the opposite of that, where he's like, No, we need to we will look back in horror at how we surgically uh, disfigured these people who had nothing more than a mental illness and he said these are people who need to be treated with compassion like he he definitely is a provocateur and you can definitely find a litany of things he says that you kind of find abhorrent, mm-hmm. but I definitely have heard him in certain circumstances refer to transgenderism with that the opposite spin where he's, he is kind of uh, being compassionate and empathetic and, and talking about how we're doing them a disservice yes. by trying to solve a mental problem with physical intervention.
0: But he also said on real time with Bill Maher that they commit sex crimes, uh, at a much yeah, higher proportion. I have no idea. Yeah. Like what? Like, like if you, like if, if I didn't know better, I would say that he clearly hates transgendered people. And I think I could reasonably make that argument like I don't think that I would sound like a crazy paranoid PC SJW in saying that because the way he's spoken about them like if you if you just made a clip of him of him arguing that in fact not even arguing just openly stating and then implying that the crowd are idiots for disagreeing with him when he says that they commit sex crimes at a much higher rate than anyone else and that they're mm. disgusting and that they're just a, a woman with a dick, or you know, all that, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like that sounds like a really intolerant man <laughs> to me.
1: Like yeah, no, definitely. Just... It's it's yeah, it's 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 it just shows it's a really not nice and negative side. Yeah. Of of, of the dodecahedron of Milo Yiannopoulos.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I sort of spoke over you there at your point just so that i could like dig in him (laughs) a little more
1: (laughs) yeah no and it's fine though but like i think that like the important thing i think about Malianopoulos is that he welcomes the dig and i think that's what's really special about him is he's not looking to throw acid in your face and run off squealing like a little schoolgirl. he's looking to throw acid in your face and then see what you will come back with to throw at him if you know what i mean Mm. he doesn't He he invites so many people up for debate And I don't know if you I've seen him debate in university with British uh, feminists. There was one writer for The Guardian who he sat down with and he offered her like utmost courtesy, let her speak first and all that. And you know what I mean? And was nothing but respectful towards her. But he is extremely provocative and, and there's no two ways around it. But I do think that in this time where almost speaking your mind is an act of rebellion. We have to contextualize the environment in which he's after surf surfacing. And I think that's why it's really important to view him in that. Like, it's not as if we're going back to the 1980s or the 1960s and, like, why is he necessary there? I do see a Milo Yiannopoulos-shaped <laughs> hole that he needs to fill, from my own point of view, in the mm-hmm. current uh, status quo.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I, like, I definitely question the necessity of provocateurs because it, honestly, like, just... I, I've never really been into that. Like, I, I never even liked, um like, Ali G or, uh you mm. know, you know the, these sort of goofy characters that are just, mm. like, obscene. Like, it's just not really... Like, even Eminem, like, is is an entertainment provocateur. And I never liked his, like, The Real Slim Shady or My Name Is. I don't like the goofy side. So I just, I don't like that kind of... I guess I yeah, just don't appreciate yeah. that... um that aspect of of performance, and it is performance. Um, yeah. But um, I also just I really don't like it when people are mean to people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like the sappiest yeah. thing about me. But like I just I cannot imagine myself either saying something like that or being on the receiving end of that. And like I know I say yeah. lots of like crazy things about Chris Martin and Phil Collins and like various other pop culture figures that I dislike. Um, I'm really just doing that because I think it's funny uh i'm not saying it to their face or, or like i don't know it, it's it's like i'm sure someone can find um uh, an element of hypocrisy in that and i'm fine with that but i don't think that i
1: could I gratuitously
0: yeah exactly yeah, yeah. acerbic
1: or a yes
0: absolutely yeah it's 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 like it's, just like it's too much for me i i'm i'm an interstate soccer mom i i don't i don't need this stress <laughs> in my life <laughs>
1: yeah yeah stay away from the pool, guy. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I know I totally get what you mean, and uh, I guess you might we might differ in that you're looking at it from an idealistic perhaps point of view where it's not necessary to be like that, or mm-hmm. like surely we can we can get on without it exactly and i That's and exactly I view it as it's a necessary response to the stifling of free speech that is occurring.
0: Yeah, it's, kind of it's
1: two solutions to the same problem in a way.
0: The individual division in our heads of of the problem and the solutions yeah. to the problem and it's just the way that we've prioritized it it just it just lands differently. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, exactly. And that's how two grown men discuss Milo Yiannopoulos.
1: <laughs> Cuz <'Cause> honestly <laughs> exactly. it's
0: such a hard thing to do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, like he's he's like a chameleon, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And even literally as well, when you see him, like, you dress up and transvestise and stuff like that.
0: Ben Shapiro has made so many great points about why Milo Yiannopoulos is simply a dickhead, and um, <laughs> I I loved it when he said he thinks no woman should be allowed to wear a burqa when he comes to universities with like all sorts of weird shit on his head and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, he's never said the word shit out loud, but. yeah yeah Yeah, you know what i mean um
1: yeah it's they take his dreidel away from him yeah yeah. i would i would
0: love to see ben shapiro and milo in a debate because ben shapiro would
1: absolutely annihilate him yeah it would be good wouldn't it um milo has turned it down i think he backed out he backed out of it yeah i think there uh, because there was definitely talk about it Um, But it it would be great, but they agree on so much as well, though, which I think is is part of the the magic of the Shapiro-Eyanopoulos saga.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that was purely just alphabetical, putting Shapiro first. I'd probably put Eyanopoulos first every other time. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) I would, too, in a which one would I hit in the head with a hammer relentlessly until I get
1: tired. If it was a a dildo-shaped hammer, we'd probably be happy enough with it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah.
0: Did I just do a homophobia? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I guess then, like, with, with Ben Shapiro, as you say, like, he's he is sort of the uh, anti-PC, but insofar as he just basically reinforces what he says with... I don't care what you feel, or how you feel about this, this is a fact, and he still goes on to his point, mm. like, which basically the only differentiating factor from that is his points would have been fine in the 80s, and he just wouldn't, need it to, wouldn't have needed to underline them with, facts don't care about feelings, before continuing on, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's why I don't think he's like an anti-PC as much as Milo is, in essence, because he's not merely a provocateur. He does provoke, but he provokes in a way that is kind of more of a, uh, a reasoned argument sort of way. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look for reasons to provoke it, like, from his point of view, his facts provoke because your feelings are hurt.
0: Exactly, yeah. That's a a really good summary, too. That's exactly what it's like.
1: Yeah. And then, like, kind of, I think some other important figures are, like, the likes of Jordan Peterson, who who we've alluded to. And it's almost kind of a nice time to talk about him because he basically came into public perception, With the transgender pronoun uh, controversy, where transgender students were trying to force him to refer to them how they wanted to. And he was like, you can't force people like we can't force words on people. Um, He said language is much more complex and, and much more dynamic and much more natural than that. Like things take time to develop. Uh, and like I just absolutely like since I've come across him, I absolutely love Jordan Peterson. I think he's such a breath of fresh air, and he's exactly what I, I think young men need. Should we discuss? Uh, and what the world needs. Should we discuss the C16 bill? Yeah, yeah. So the bill uh, C16, which I think has passed through like the final stages at this yeah, stage, so. is basically has uh, in- engendered, so to speak, uh, a human rights status. Onto the use or misuse of gender pronouns when it comes to—I don't know if it's both transsexual and otherwise, or just transsexual people. So essentially, you're guilty of a human rights crime that is prosecutable uh, if you don't refer to people the way they want, which is absolutely absurd. And there are 78 pronouns, or something to that. I think it might actually—and it'll only increase Mm. because why? Why shouldn't it increase? Every single person not only will demand their own pronoun, like you could envisage, but one for every second of their existence when they capriciously and flippantly change change mind. You know like, what I mean? Change their minds.
0: Yeah, so what that means, um, to the listeners, like where you say like her basket, his uh wallet, whatever, um the pronoun is the his and her part and what they want to do yeah. what they're doing is their creating uh I, I think the number is 78 if it's some ludicrously yeah, yeah. high number like that that includes like zero zero basket yeah.
1: uh yeah and like all J of that. or all these weird ones
0: yeah so th- they're all just uh i don't know where they've come from but i, I guess what happened was they took suggestions and they <laughs> like, i have no idea yeah uh, so, so it, essentially yeah they're like the forcing them People to use these, the, the, and it will be punishable exactly. by you know, not not by the judiciary. Yes,
1: exactly. Um, Which is crazy because it's how can I know how to refer to someone other than how I see them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also the utility of gender pronouns. So essentially, it's not just kind of uh, he, her, but basically any word that you replace someone's name with that also designates their gender. So it could be he, she, him, her, hers, his, uh, etc. Anything that essentially captures gender and also designates who you were were talking to. but, but but the bad point it's not it's not even as if it's a recommendation or it's a guide to how you can help these people if they if you so want and they so want it's like you need to use these words we're going to force you to use them and if you don't then you will be punished yeah it's so Orwellian my, oh my
0: um my homeboy Sam Harris and I'm mm. definitely the only person that's ever referred to him as a homeboy um <laughs> he made a good analogy about it and it was that you can tell me not to litter and you can make that a crime and i won't throw my paper on the ground but you can't mm. force me to pick up every single piece of paper i see in you know for exactly. the rest of my life and put it in the bin and uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what it is it's like if it, it's, it's like the ken kenneth thing if someone asks me to call them ken that's what i'm going to call them because i'm not a yeah, dad. Yeah. um but i can't presuppose exactly What's the like? It it is really, and it's Canada too. And uh,
1: I know, they've... but there's a regressivism that's just in the West. That's just so like ubiquitous. I just I, I don't know where it's come from.
0: I'm gonna say this though. I fucking guarantee you that no one will go to jail as a result of this bill.
1: Th- there's two things I want to say about that first is you can't necessarily know and i'll agree with you it it, it could be quite unlikely but the second is is that legal systems are all about precedents, right so we're going to set this and once it's in law a precedent has been set and when that happens it's very very easy to bit by bit chip away at people's liberties and allow something else that's largely similar but a slightly bit more sort of uh kind of captures or removes people's liberties that bit more and it just can it can over time just move on and move on and move on and before you know it like you've no idea or, the, or the, there's no relationship between where you were and where you are now
0: that right there that argument i feel like um for anti politically correct speakers and thinkers i feel like that is their biggest fear and that's what they're railing against
1: exactly yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Um, i think so yeah it's like I definitely don't have anything good to say about the bill. I, I think it's really odd and I just think it's 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 oddly aggressive and hostile too. Yeah. Um, especially when it encompasses a movement that the world in general is being quite friendly to and yeah, yeah. um and, and sort of um is doing its best to assist. Like, maybe yeah. not the maybe not the older institutions, but I think the world is on board with the fact that
1: exactly yeah um,
0: being transgender is like horrendous. It's it's like a really awful thing to have to experience, and
1: yeah, like
0: those who are inflicted with that kind of misery are so unfortunate. Um, yeah. I feel like this bill actually does the opposite of help them in terms of social exactly. status because it's just exactly. going to make people angry.
1: It's going to marginalize them. It's going to make, it's going to other them, make them, oh, these are those that require that extra thing. Their, yeah. th- their disability is now being catered for
0: Yeah. catered to. Catered to, yeah, I agree. Um, and and I, uh, I think that's like, a significant point, though, because that I think that that's how the average, like, I think, I think that's how the average armchair critic of political correctness will observe that, Bill.
1: Yeah, yeah. And not only that, though, but but like I remember during the Canadian Senate hearing of which Jordan Peterson was there, they were talking about, oh, it's, a, it's an issue of respect, an issue of respect. But you can't force someone to respect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Jordan Peterson is like like forced respect is no respect at all. You know what I mean? In fact, like you could easily imagine it would have the opposite effect. If you're forced to be nice to someone, that's dictatorship. That's fascism. Yeah. That's, that's the opposite of respect. So I, it's just really, really strange that it's happening at all.
0: Yeah, I, th- I like, I don't know how, like, I mean, my worldview and the way things were, like, just be nice to people, have manners. Like, if they ask you to call them Ken instead of Kenneth, like, do it. Like, don't be a dickhead to people. Like, yeah. That should be the basis for a law that is, in its nature, a kind of an egalitarian force for... Um, not not necessarily even social change But sort of social restraint um, And not only
1: that But the people who came up with this legislation They weren't elected on behalf of the transgender community
2: Yeah, right
1: Like it's—it's. Like, uh, Jordan Peterson was saying He's had so many letters, emails, etc uh, Correspondences from the transgender community Saying that this is the opposite of what we want We want to just get on with our lives yeah. uh, Assimilate into society and become just regular normal citizens. And this has done everything to marginalize us even further at a time when like we're really, it's really the dawn of the transgender movement in some ways. Like I definitely feel that it's definitely, uh, it's it's, it's sort of a, a very recent phenomenon, transgenderism, like kind of it was gender dysphoria by the American Psychological or Psychiatric Association until very recently. And it's being normalised at the moment, and basically at the inception of normalisation of transgenderism, we have this bill that's like, oh yeah, about these weird other people. Uh, you have to talk about them and talk to them in a certain special way because they're special and they can't handle anything but that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No. I and I I totally agree with that assessment. Like
1: it, it's so so marginalising.
0: Yeah. It's it's um. Yeah. It's over the top. Uh, like I but, I, I, I yeah. do feel like it it demeans like exactly.
1: Yeah. But marginalize, marginalization is the modus operandi of the regressive left. It's sort of, how can we chop people up into smaller and smaller bits based on qualities that they're not even in control of? And how can we magnify them beyond recognition?
0: How how big of a problem do you think that is in the world, Like aside from the C-16 bill?
1: I think it's a huge problem. I think in the U.S. it's an enormous problem. I think that the left loves to highlight the fact that it was... X person who was killed, X person who did the killing, etc, etc uh, this person got into Harvard, this person didn't get into Harvard and I think the focus on differences as opposed to uh, just the fact that they're normal people, I think is, is really bad and really detrimental to any form of collectivism not in a sort of eastern uh, sense, but in, just in the terms of homogenous society and mm-hmm. coming together
0: Yeah, I'm with you there, I, I think like, I it... Do you know what Harvard's uh, acceptance um, ratio is? It's it's like they accept like one in every 15,000 applicants or something like that. Wow. Well, so well. The, the, I, I I may have completely made that figure up, right? Um, but hypothetically, let's even say it is that. It, it doesn't matter if someone got rejected from Harvard. like Exactly. It doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. It, like, right, the person that you want to get in for whatever basis, someone else with a better, like... Uh, Profile then that has been rejected from Harvard. But I will say exactly. this in fa- in favor of those people. Um, I don't know was it the Sony email hack or was it one of the other? Was it a WikiLeaks um, uh, uh, like dump? But <laughs> it has been shown in those. Uh, oh man, I wish I could remember. I feel like it was Sony, and it was like one of the CEOs in America appeared to have a a gentleman's agreement uh, with one of the deans or, or somebody in, Har- someone in admissions in Harvard that his daughter was going to Harvard. Mm. Um, and the way he was talking about it, it appeared as though it were a
1: bribe. So, Oh, no, I don't doubt it. Definitely. I,
0: and I, I'll say this too. I believe that it is possible and it may be a sort of a, a fleeting or a, 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 a loose connection, but I think it's possible to equate that with white privilege too. Um, to some degree, because it's likely that if you're that level that high of a level in Sony, it would have happened during like it, it would be built on the success that was forged for you by a less open um, like civil society or, or a, a society less open to civil rights at the time. but that's uh, like I said, that's a very loose connection that's fleeting. but I mean in the mind of uh, in the mind of someone who complains about this type of thing, that's exactly what it is, and that's how it's. But kind of
1: I, sense. I disagree with that. And for the prime example of the Asian American community, uh huh, yeah, which fair. are extraordinarily overrepresented in higher education and higher-paying jobs.
0: Yeah, this. I, I know. I was saying this last time. But the whole concept of white privilege and and uh, the way that the police are killing black people and uh, the, mm, mm. everything is against black people. This is not actually about skin color anymore. It's about mm. um, it's about your economic class.
1: Exactly. I think it all comes down to money.
0: It does. Like, and I'm not saying that it wasn't ever about racism, but now sure, it's about yeah. class. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the black people that go to jail. Um, like you know, quote because they're black, end quote. It's actually because they're poor, and proportionally impoverished whites go to prison at the same rates. And it's because yeah. the system is actually set up to favor those with money, right? Because you can afford better attorneys, you can create better cases, you can all—all you know, all of these things. And, uh, sure. and that's pretty much what it is. So yeah. Um, yeah. And also,
1: I was going to say, in in addition to kind of Harvard as an institution, apparently Harvard Business School. Allows certain businesses to pay professors kind of bursary amounts where they won't talk about controversies pertaining to those companies and they'll also only allude to uh, articles, etc., or publications highlighting the, the good points about those companies. It's really? so ridiculous. That, that is. is actually allowed and it's well documented that Harvard Business School professors get payoffs by companies to bolster their reputation
0: that is unreal
1: i know That's isn't disgusting, it disgusting yeah like <laughs> it really does come down to money like in, in so many different uh, dimensions
0: yeah it does um do you want yeah. to talk about justine sacco
1: yeah cool so um in relation to basically what you were saying about kind of the the, the pub earlier, and who's been affected by political correctness. I think Justine Sacco gives a really prime example as to how your life can be destroyed um through the medium of political correctness, basically virtually overnight. So, Justine Sacco, I think she worked for a marketing company, is that right?
0: Yeah, she did.
1: And she was traveling to South Africa, and she basically tweeted something to the uh, basically stating, Oh, going to South Africa, I hope I don't get AIDS. So there's two things going on there, Th- then, first of all. Then
0: she said, just kidding, I'm white, lol.
1: Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's uh, another dimension to the problem. If, uh, if
0: anything, I think that that's actually a good defense for her, because she's making a joke about the concept. Exactly, of, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. It means, yeah. It's it's a um, terrible joke, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously, South Africa has a hugely high percentage, a huge high percentage of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's almost epidemic, and uh, but because she made this public and because like PC warriors or whatever or SJWs got hold of it, they essentially by the time she arrived in South Africa, the hotel she had a reservation in was no longer catering to keep her reservation valid and to, to hold her there. And, and, and essentially she lost her job and, and her whole life was basically ruined over that one tweet, which is outrageous.
0: Um, I actually don't think that this is the result of political correctness uh, which might sound like a stupid thing to say because I know obviously political correctness is at the root of the outrage because why would you be offended by it if it, it were mm. not some desire to be politically correct. However um, on an analysis of the tweets that she received in response um, John Ronson who I've bigged up lots of times on the podcast um, found that most of the hateful things that were said against her were like fucking bitch I hope she gets raped this stupid cunt has you know like stuff like that Mm -hmm. right those are not politically correct things to say so I don't feel like this is actually the result of political correctness I feel like this is something else and it's it's this outrage culture that's determined to punish people's transgressions and I'll draw a parallel between um hardcore Christians who believe homosexuality to be not just a sin it's fair enough if you are a Christian and your ideology means that you think homosexuality is a sin but you you think it in in um in context to the rest of the bible right so it's not the number one thing that's wrong with the world whereas you you'll find so many Christians who say that homosexuality is the worst thing it's terrible we need to we need to get rid of this this is a pressing issue of our day and the reason that they do that is because they're guilty of so many of the other things that happen, that are you know foretold in the mm. Bible that they shouldn't be doing. But the easiest thing for them to do is to say, "Look, I've avoided the temptation to be gay. I am a I am a good Christian." That yeah. and I think just the desire to go this stupid contest on this thing is like I I don't know if it's like. I'm not allowed to make jokes like this anymore, so I'm going to punish someone that does. I don't know what the mindset behind it is, but I do suspect that it's something—it's something similar to the Christian that thinks that you know avoiding the temptation of homosexuality is, yeah. is their ultimate—and um, and, uh, like it's just—it cannot be political. It literally cannot be political correctness if the main responses, the main treads of hatred are like laced with you know misogyny and rape wishing or you know know? like that could
1: I, i i think it could be the reflection of an evolved form of political correctness that you could say is embodied in the term punch a nazi it's okay to punch a nazi right these people are are putatively the most kind of altruistic and inclusive and uh benign people as they probably uh, proclaim themselves, but they say that violence is okay if it's against fascists, and you're a fascist if you disagree with me, so therefore it's okay. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's a fair point, too, yeah. I hadn't, like, really, uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way.
1: Like, the, the SJWs have gone from, oh, uh, we're going to call you everything under the sun because you disagree with us, to, oh, now we can use force. Like, I don't know if you heard about, there was some... Uh, was it a Republican march or something like that planned in the U S and they basically found up on a rooftop that this anti Antifa group had like bags of bricks. they were ready to throw down on people and they feel fully justified. Like these are people who are probably pacifistic or would like call themselves pacifistic by nature. But for some reason that gets superseded by a uh, kind of inclination to violence when they think that they're dealing with, those who they're dealing with, i.e. conservatives, i.e. people who disagree with them.
0: Those guys so are with the...
1: fucking idiots. I exactly. fucking hate them.
0: Every single video clip I see of them, they're, <laughs> they're fucking, like... Oh, they're the worst type of people, and they're so pleased with themselves.
1: I know, but in relation to the Justine Sacco episode, you could say that the vitriolic hate tweets she received was like kind of a prologue to the progression to violence, that the ultra left has started to demonstrate
0: that's true. And, and that is like a, I actually really like that. um, Like that sort of analysis. Um, I, I do have like a, I don't, I, I guess, I guess it's a bias towards political correctness and like that. I, mm-hmm. that I can't seem to shake. Like it definitely mm-hmm. exists within me and I feel it. And I feel the urge to, to, um, to just create a stronger argument here. Um, but I can't find the words because John Ronson explained it so much better than I did. And um, mm. I'm going to have to literally read the book again
1: or read, <laughs> read that chapter. again. Yeah. Yeah. But again, though, we have to remember that what we're looking at now with the regressive left wasn't what he was looking at when he wrote that book. Right. It, things have changed. Like we have kind of instances now where like there's even allusions to, oh, well, it's it's OK to punch. It's like we had that. uh What was it? Was it a senator who was shot at the baseball game? Yeah. Like, violence is is now being seen as, oh, well, sure, it's the only uh, means necessary. We have to take down this fascist Nazi uh, dictatorship. You know what I mean? Like, things have escalated, I think, beyond merely just words versus words.
0: Um, It's frightening. Should we talk a little bit about um, how the right gets, like, the rights form of political correctness that they have on their side?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: Um, I think this would be a good time because we've sort of berated the left for
1: a long time. well, at least Uh, we've berated the left insofar as where they deserve to be berated. uh And and and,
0: and not the left, either. Exactly,
1: and there's nothing intrinsic about regressivism with the left, if that makes sense. Like, the left used to be, like, basically the beacon of light in global politics, that was inclusiveness, that was looking after people less able than us, that was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they are standards that the left can still reclaim, but it's slipping away from their grasp or its grasp.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel it as well, one of the main sort of calling cards of the. Um, what, the SJ. I, I fucking hate these terms.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. so
0: hard. I hate the term regressive left because. Where it used to have a place, it's now applied to everything. Like yeah, not yeah. by you, obviously, because you've only specifically spoken about actual acts
1: of regression. No, but I know what you mean. But yeah. yeah,
0: like like you know Bill O'Reilly or someone like that when they say regressive left, like they 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 just mean a liberal who has a different opinion to me. Like
1: yeah uh, yeah, and, and that's and uh, and that I think that's the exactly what people mean when they talk about conservative correctness. Like that shuts down speech. You know what I mean? Like, it's basically when the left calls you a Nazi or a racist, it's like, shit, where do I go from here? I'm, like, one of the worst people imaginable. Bill O'Reilly will come and say, yeah, but you're a regressive left, like, you know what I mean? Your head's in the sand, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, like, where do you come back from there? So, like, it's definitely occurs on both ends of the spectrum. And I think, like, there's one instance where the Dixie Chicks... Came out and kind of basically just criticised the Iraq War, which definitely there's grounds to. It's a it's a very grey issue, and uh, it was definitely sold, possibly on a pack of lies, if that makes sense. Absolutely, um,
0: yeah. Oh, it's, intention... it's one of the most like potentially possibly yeah. immoral acts of, of any um, of any administration in exactly, my lifetime.
1: Yeah. But but it's made more complicated as well by the sort of ancillary target of the iraq war being like uh tear down saddam hussein okay is number one b try to build a democracy c try to build up the iraqi army you know what i mean and then obviously you have like the ulterior motives of oil etc yeah which so mem- like remember
0: it's... um remember our nine eleven episode where i i said the figures that um, mm. that dick cheney earned as a mm. result of that war and the yeah. uh and how his his oil company got first dibs on all the like yeah like like, fuck off.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? No, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, Bill O'Reilly and the right-wing speaker, who's sort of a bit like a Milo Yiannopoulos figure, and Coulter, yeah, came out and yeah. said like this is treason. How can you criticize what a George W. Bush has enacted, like the Patriot Act and all this, and like to criticize public discussion over something that's not even close to being a closed issue, such as the Iraq War, yeah. is just crazy. You know what I mean?
0: And plenty of people on the right disagreed with it.
1: Yeah, like it and, should. It yeah. should be
0: said that the Dixie Chicks were like, were are they? De- They're probably still alive, aren't they? I don't know. Um, but their <laughs> audience looking. would have been like what you would think of as a stereotypical republican right yeah
1: yeah and there's another sort of phenomenon that i'm going to coin as constitutional constriction whereby just because it's in the constitution it's the best thing that's ever happened to the united states like constitutions undergo vast like uh, times of reform and that's why like referenda occur right we realize that okay so what was uh, relevant back time x isn't so much relevant now and in fact we can improve upon it and and reform it and revise it just because it's in the constitution that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing it could be the right thing by all means like you know what i mean it could be but it's it's sort of contingent on the state of affairs we find ourselves in now it's not a necessary uh kind of justness to the constitution it has to i I think it should always be questioned as to like are we in the right place uh, you know what i mean at the moment or should it Receive a revision.
0: Yeah, it should be. Uh, have you seen the um, uh, the Mitchell and Webb show where um, Mitchell is? They're, they're like Nazis, and he just goes, okay. Are we the baddies?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, it's just like a Nazi having that moment of reflection to be like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like that's what it should be like. You, you should be able to question these things and not. Yeah,
1: yeah. B-
0: because the opposite of that is literally what led to the Nazis. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah.
1: No, totally. Like, yeah. and but like, if you're so sure that you're on the right side of the debate, then surely any debate at all will just prove you further and further right. And or that's correct. that's
0: why I respect Ben Shapiro so goddamn much.
1: Yeah, like, I know.
0: Like he's just totally open for debate all the time, and it's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, I I I would take great pleasure in you know walking up to Bill O'Reilly and saying Happy Holidays at Christmas just to see yeah. how he'd react. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they go absolutely insane about that, uh, the war on Christmas that is literally in their heads.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, like I have never heard or even seen any instance of a minority or, or whatever. In another country, saying uh, Christmas offends me. Please, yeah. please don't. Please say Happy Holiday. You know, it's it's so. The reason that Budweiser says Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas is because they want to fucking appeal to as many people as possible. Sure, because they are no, a capitalist yeah. entity looking to yeah. sell
1: their product. That's
0: no, totally, why they say yeah. it. It's not because politically political correctness has gone mad. You know, like
1: yeah, this... I do think though that there is, uh a way of looking at multiculturalism that people feel is eroding their own culture that can only be viewed as, or only be viewed unilaterally where other cultures are more important than ours. Like ours are sort of like the baseline and then other ones, other cultures improve our culture, but we must kind of step our culture back if it steps on the toes of others. I definitely think that there's sort of in some sense that uh, phenomenon occurring. And I think that is sort of where that comes from. It's like people, Almost feel ashamed to be like pro Christmas because it's like, but you could be offending other minorities or whatever if that makes sense. But I do like know what you mean as well. Like,
0: yeah, no, I I actually agree completely, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that we see our culture as the baseline and that we should actually make room for other cultures. Exactly, yeah. and I that's a that is a that's a postmodern philosophy right there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, basically, yeah. Like our culture is not a culture; ours is just a way of living. As a baseline, and anything else needs to be accommodated for. It's it, it's it's so bizarre.
0: I'm just happy I know what postmodernism means. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. well, it, it's basically a, a. If you basically dislike logic, mathematics, and objective truth, or at least the idea of it, if you yeah, that's postmodernism.
0: Yeah. Well, I, like yes. But also, like it's just for its application in art and philosophy. Like I, I yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of dig it to be honest. Like I'm kind of um, not not in the not in the world view, but in the just in the art sense. Yeah, like, like in post, a, postmodern in a, art is is awesome.
1: I think. Yeah, and in a personal sense, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but like when you try to basically create legislation stemming from a postmodernist view of the world you just get chaos
0: yeah completely yeah yeah yeah
1: um
0: yeah. guy it's 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 kind of hard to it postmodernism is just a very meaty sort of topic like there's a exactly yeah a whole lot of layers to it to consider
1: yeah and that, yeah strange
0: yeah um do you have anything else to say about uh, the right wing form of political correctness
1: Um... Not so much, and I think the reason for that is just there's just so many to be said about on the left wing, yeah. like yeah. I because, I
0: think um yeah. I I think there's a new form of outrage coming from the right that is um it's it's like the whole thing like say the C sixteen bill like I think a lot of the people who are outraged over the fact that they now have to call a him a her. Like, mm. They wouldn't even be aware of c sixteen or know what it is they're just angry because their their cultural norms are being challenged
1: yeah, yeah and i
0: I can never like i can never sympathize with those people because I've always been of the impression that you have to just move with the times and I know that the um the the transgender sort of the great debate about transgenderism in, in the world today is sort of its its place in science and, and I feel like the entire discussion just gets bogged down in this nonsense of Bill Nye, yeah. on one hand, saying that there's no such thing as a penis. <laughs> That's not what he said. Yeah. He, you know what I mean? It's just, he comes out and says, like, oh, there's no such thing as gender. It's a social construct. Um, and then, on yeah. the other hand, you have... Uh, and, and this is one instance of, of Ben Shapiro, actually. just. I feel like he sort of overstepped it a little bit and showed his bias way more than usual. Um, was There's some video online of him in a discussion... About uh, transgenderism, and he's talking about whether or not uh, Caitlyn Jenner deserved to win the Woman of the Year award, which is yeah. a pointless discussion. And, and I hate that shit when they talk about stuff like that. Like, oh, Trump was 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 Man of the Year in time. That means that you know they think that he's like sh- just shut the fuck up. Like yeah. these yeah. awards are given because of other fucking significant. Why don't they give this award to a soldier? Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, like just yeah. just fucking sit down. Um, but Ben <laughs> Shapiro was like, uh... Oh, uh, no, because uh, Bruce Jenner is a man. And, like, all right, it, look, if you're that fixated on facts and you want to be completely logical about everything, right? Bruce Jenner changed his name to Caitlyn Jenner. So even if you fucking insist on referring to her as a man, like, just, just to do that thing because yeah. it's... it's cr- Fucking call him Caitlyn, cause that's what his name is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone changes their name, like just refer to them by the name they want to be referred. Like to.
1: yeah, if he changed his name to another male name, you'd have no problem referring. Exactly. to
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, that's completely it. And I don't understand like that. That propensity to do that is is to to um is to provoke, and and it's to sort of uh, in some ways like just put down their like in, in this case it was definitely to like overrule the award you know yeah. like oh no because bruce like and, and like he said it so like i don't know it's just i don't see the point point in shit like that like whatever oh, yeah. if if you are like that offended by it and, and the sciences of it and like that's totally fine because there is a a weird thing happening to um yeah science yeah. right now in the public sphere but if someone and we yeah sorry now you
1: go I was going to say we haven't really touched on, I don't think, sexuality as an idea in itself much throughout the podcast. And I think kind of with the transgenderism and PC culture, I think sexuality would be a really good thing to discuss, at least kind of as far as we can go with it, uh, taking into account like kind of biology, culture, influence, psychology, psychiatry, fluidity uh, transgenderism and then the nature nurture debate, I think it would be kind of nice time to kind of delve into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think we should make that the last, um, like point for this and then do cool. a, do a part two because, um, like it's, it's pretty late where we... I was about to say it's pretty late where we are. Uh, people are listening to this at midnight it doesn't really matter but um yeah yeah, like I, i think we should do a part two because um i'm looking at the like the list of what we have to talk about and there's still so much more so yeah big time yeah so let's do that then um sweet what what are your like sort of like because you are a doctor and you've studied like a lot of uh a lot of, you have like a really broad knowledge, I think, of uh, the human body, and mm. um, but also with like a philosophical tint on it, which I think yeah. gives you like a really, a much broader insight than sort of the average doctor. Um, yeah, I was, but, I was
1: kind of very, uh, what, what's the word, uh, vacillatory vacillatory about kind of my career. So I, I did a bit of psychology, a bit of philosophy, a bit of neuroscience before going into medicine. So I kind of took the long way around, the road not taken
0: yeah all the yeah. all the roads that not to exactly pay. yeah robert frost is the man
1: oh i fucking way. love his poetry it's, yeah. it, it, he's kind of like the patrick kavanaugh i think of u.s poetry like okay. i just love patrick Kavanagh's sort of way to create something so simple yet so sublime and i think yeah. robert frost does that perfectly as well yeah
0: yeah i'd agree but, um but um so yeah sexuality Well uh tell me about sexuality
1: <laughs> yeah So basically, I think there's three dimensions to sexuality that kind of capture its essence at least kind of as much as possible. So there's gender identity, which is basically how you see yourself, you know, what I mean, how you think of yourself with regards to gender, there's gender expression, how you want to express your identity to the outside world. And then there's sexual orientation. Right. And those three sort of facets sort of I, I, I struggle to think of another one that kind of you'd add to it that encompasses sexuality. um and also when you look at the data on personality and sort of questionnaires and attitudes beliefs etc the consistency amongst the general population with regards to those three dimensions is astounding like if you looked at any other three kind of Uh, facets of human behavior and try to correlate them to the same extent that those three things are correlated it would be near impossible so there definitely seems to be a common strand within each person tying those three things together gender identity gender expression and sexual orientation right yeah so that sort of is, is basically what you mean by sexuality and then you take into account okay nature your genes your biology your hormone levels what impact did they have versus your nurture what you're exposed to your environment how you're reared etc and basically the long and the short of it is is that both are important like kind of in, in every other uh medical uh, physiological phenomenon with regards to human beings like you could have identical twins that have different uh, sexual orientations but obviously at least like for the most part genetically, if you, you can look into epigenetics, which is sort of a, a complex uh, idea as well. But it, like, nature doesn't quite cover uh, sexuality, but neither does nurture. Right. If like two people are brought up in the same environment, but they're but, but they have different sexual orientations, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but there seems to be a, a sharp rebuttal or refusal to admit that there is a such thing as objective biology in current regressive leftism uh parlance that is that stems from the postmodernist approach where, where of like kind of oh we all have different viewpoints on this so let's basically denounce anything that challenges the validity of someone else's opinion on something
0: yeah um I'm definitely knocked down with that. What's funny is that it's a lot of the people who go on that "I love science" Facebook page too, and they'll, mm. I don't know, find whatever little pieces they can to support their argument, and then use it to, yeah, um, you know, to to put it forward. And it's really strange and like weird. I I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I I guess it's because like if if people I it, I think the anti-science component of the regressive left centers mostly around transgenders, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. But like, what I think is the most interesting thing, and I've never really heard this expressed in any forum between advocates and people against the transgender movement, so basically the transgenders say, here listen, your biology doesn't matter, you are who you are, you feel how you feel and and essentially it's culturally influenced. Yet those same people who say that, oh, well, you know, culture influences it. That's how I feel, etc cetera. Uh, won't say that conversion therapy for homosexuals works.
2: Yeah. But surely
1: yeah. if there's a huge... And, and secondly, to add insult to injury, they'll say, okay, so it's completely cultural how I feel, the way I feel. But give me those biological hormones to make me more of a woman. Yeah. it's So they, they deny biology yet they require hormones and they say that culture explains everything yet they deny that gay conversion therapy works like there's just so much entanglement of contradiction there that it's it's madness
0: yeah there's so many holes in that It's, it's
1: yeah and it just doesn't like tie together when you think about it and also when you go back to what i said in the beginning that gender identity gender expression and sexual orientation are all tied together so consistently that they must be explaining the same Uh, trait or the same state if you know what I mean yeah yeah not state sorry I think state is kind of the one where that changes uh, sort of the the transitory state of uh, like emotion etc but the trait of sexuality and gender like it it must be explaining something that's quite substantive and solidified if the consistency is there and like the data uh, undermining the or sorry underlining the consistency is astronomical
0: yeah, I, I feel like if we lived in a society where the um, the cultural norms uh, or, or expectations were not, you know, that you have to marry a woman or, or marry a man or whatever mm, and mm. have kids and, and like that's your like, I feel like if, if marriage were not an institution, um, I feel like just the percentage of people who identify as bisexual would be like sky high, and okay, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really have any basis for that. Um, yeah, like, no, I, I
1: think I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've
0: um, I've said it to you before, and I think you've actually kind of um, offered like a, a very scientific rebuttal. But I'll say it again for the laugh for my podcast listeners. <laughs> um, just the percentage of um, of ho- like homosexuals in ancient Greece and like the Spartan warriors and stuff. Um, like you know, most of them were actually homosexual. Um, in certain periods, I, I don't have the the raw data in front of me, but I read about it before. Um, and basically, like when like they did have to marry women, which was interesting. But when the time came for them to um, impregnate the woman, they did it um, like from behind, and the woman had to shave her head to make her appear more manly. Uh, so, like,
1: are you, you know... sure about that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was that just like a fantasy you had, or?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a movie that I saw. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: it was like, what was that movie? Uh, with shit. The Spartan one.
0: Yeah, the uh, three hundred with
1: Jared 300. Butler. Three hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he... you were basically Jared Butler. Well, look, banging there... a broad abroad, who looked like a man, There's trying a... to get her pregnant, so you could go back and suck your boyfriend off.
0: There's a famous scene in that movie where he kicks a guy into a giant <laughs> hole. A giant <laughs> hole,
1: John. Do I need I to?
0: Do I need to spell it out?
1: Freud is having an orgasm in his grave over that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Freud can go fuck himself. There was, I um, love Freud. Yeah, I accurate. hate Freud.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, I think we should maybe uh, go into that a, a bit more. I, I don't know. I guess it's sort of something that you can just kind of dip in and out of. Mm.
0: He yeah. thinks everything is about the penis. Um, <laughs> but um, it's interesting. In the movie 300, there's a part where the Spartans... Um, they meet another uh, warrior tribe on the road, and and they refer to another warrior tribe again, uh, an ancient Greek warrior tribe, as homosexuals, and they they call them boy lovers, and all the Spartans snigger. But like you know, in the actual reality, it was the Spartans that were boy lovers. They they were all fucking each other all the time.
1: Well, isn't that int- Well, isn't there a difference between boy lovers and homosexuality in ancient Greek in ancient Greece because there was pederasty.
0: Well, when they said "boy lovers," and well, maybe it was a reference to that or whatever, but the like the implication was obvious that they were like from okay, the from okay. the sniggering of the of the guys
1: and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What they were actually talking about was like you know. Yeah, um, no, like I, I yeah, I, I get what you mean about bisexuality. Definitely, um, I do think that like it's a spectrum, but I do definitely think that, for instance, if you ask people enough questions, allowing kind of you to. Say, put a dot on the spectrum Mm. that people would be definitely more to one side than the other consistently.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: I I think
0: that's kind of been proven, hasn't it? Isn't there like a really famous study that that proves that?
1: Um, I can't think of it, but I can think of like kind of loads of other smaller studies.
0: I read a study on bisexuals that said that basically there there are very few instances of like 50 50 bisexuals that they don't care if they're with a man or a woman. Uh, and that most yeah, bisexuals yeah. have a preference, a strong yeah, yeah. preference. That's, it's closer to, like, 90% one way and 10% the other way.
1: So. And this is one point of annoyance I have with Milo Yiannopoulos, who basically denounces the existence of bisexuals. And he basically says, here, listen, bisexuals don't exist because you always end up with someone, i.e. one gender. So that was obviously the gender you were leaning towards. And and that's just so logically fatuous when you think about, like, when you go into a shop to buy ice cream, you have the option for vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, etc., just because you leave with chocolate, that doesn't mean you wouldn't have been happy to leave with strawberry.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: that's you a, know what I mean. That's another one of those
0: things, though, that he just said, like he says that there's no such thing as lesbians. <laughs> well,
1: that I well, yeah, see. That's the thing that in particular, I do think there's a grain of truth to just a grain. Yeah. I do think that women are more naturally inclined to be sexually attracted to their own gender than men are. And I'm not sure why. I think it's because the penis, at least evolutionarily, potentially highlighted the possibility of rape. And Mm -hmm. so that is why, for instance, men like to see send nudes of boobs. Women don't always like to see send nudes of dick pics.
0: Is that why? Has that been proven
1: though? Uh, Well, like, I I don't think it can be proven per se, Mm -hmm. because it's sort of like just an anachronistic uh, examination. But But is it a widely
0: accepted truth? Like,
1: uh, well I, I i've definitely seen like evolutionary biologists like uh discuss it and sort of be like yeah the dick basically uh, signaled sex and if it was unwanted the man was going to overpower her, so in that case it signaled rape
0: yeah
1: and that's why whereas boobs and stuff are kind of a non-offensive yet arousing because they signal sexual maturity sign of uh, femininity and womanhood etc so to a man it's Uh, alluring but a penis to a woman if it's unwanted is a sign of impending rape so it's it's a warning
0: certainly makes sense
1: yeah, exactly. And, and unfortunately, evolutionary biology is all anachronistic, right? It's all looking back and trying to make sense of stuff. You can take, obviously, evidence into account and got these reams of that, mm-hmm. but it's always sort of looking back. You can't make any prospective studies and try and, like, manipulate variables and be like, okay, we're starting now. Let's see how it goes for the next six months or whatever.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, though, the nature versus nurture debate because I actually heard um, I heard a theory before that a foot fetish um came from like evolutionarily speaking, it is because they're less likely to get disease if they're attracted to the foot. Some something ridiculous like that. Um but weird, it, yeah. It it reminds me of this um this book I'm reading called The Cyber Effect by Mary Aiken, where she kinda discusses um not necessarily how evil the internet is, but how people can use the internet for evil or how the internet is changing our society. Um but there's a, a slight section in there where she talks about how um, people have been implicated in crimes or people have actually committed crimes um because they were on some forum where uh, like they developed a fetish for something, and one of the fetishes um that uh, someone got put in prison for was basically masturbating while they rev the engine of a car and the, yeah. the the louder it gets the the closer they get to orgasm and there was, like, a, I don't know, a 16-year-old kid arrested for breaking into someone else's car and masturbating <laughs> while revving it up. Um, but in in the book, she actually details how quickly you can um, inflict a foot fetish on someone, and it's extraordinary. You can, like, basically, if you have someone in a room for 15 minutes, you can make them walk out of that room with a foot fetish. Like, wow. yeah, I don't know how fully developed it'll be, but, like... Um, for all intents and purposes, going forward, that person will have a sexual preference towards a woman's foot,
1: and not just walking out of the room. Probably looking at their own feet while they do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't know if you're into your own. Feet yeah, If you have a foot fetish, though, because you're not yeah. into your own genitalia with any other kind of fetish. Like, yeah, but um, that just that anecdote alone, or not? I mean, that, that that's a fact, but it it um, it's sort of redefines the nature of sexual fluidity to me yeah um i like i i remember uh a sort of a controversial study in a newspaper a few years ago that said like the number one fantasy for gay men is having sex with a woman and the reason for that is like you know it's taboo it's, it's yeah yeah um and i just wondered that sort of sexual orientation could be as malleable as fetishes and things like that i don't know yeah, is that necessarily yeah. demeaning to the concept of having a defined sexual orientation but yeah if you if you look at how like just fluid the the spectrum can be for fetishes alone and how you can actually give someone else a fetish with a, yeah. with a computer like you know what i mean it's it's um it's it's crazy to think of it. It makes me yeah, like yeah. it makes me completely clueless as to how. But it opens even more doors. Makes me even more confused. You know,
1: like yeah, I, I just think homosexuality is extraordinarily interesting from an evolutionary point of view because it it offers no evolutionary benefit, right? Mm. Like, um, if everyone was homosexual and strictly homosexual, we would have died out.
0: In the world would be a better place.
1: <laughs> but you know what i mean like i just think it's interesting yet it's ubiquitous in nature yeah and the natural world
0: i think um, it's, it's funny how upset people get at homosexuality
1: i know it's i can't understand it at yeah, all it's like absolute I madness yeah like... it is madness and like but, but a lot of it but like okay so there are a lot of eternal truths to religion Like sort of a lot of allusions to things that how did they know that but it sort sort of works like like promiscuity for all its problems or like how unrealistic it is as sort of a way to manage your sex life oh shit no sorry not promiscuity what am I saying Uh, what's the opposite of promiscuity um chastity chastity sorry chastity or or
0: celibacy
1: yeah well celibacy would be more kind of of an adult lifestyle choice I suppose yeah. yeah. But basically, yeah, just kind of like no sex before marriage, etc. For all the problems that ensue from that or the fact that it's just not a real it's not realistic in this day and age to try and convince teenagers not to have sex or whatever. They're going to have sex. Like, would there be an AIDS epidemic? Would there be SDI epidemics? Would there be any of these things if that was adhered to? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get you.
1: Like it's sort of as if like it was sort of a precautionary uh, guideline. Saying, OK, so if you stick with one person and you only have sex, then not only will you have no single mothers, because when you get married, it's going to be a bond that you're going to engage in for the rest of your lives. But there's going to be none of this sort of ancillary uh, problems with sexual intercourse being like kind of the rise of uh sexually transmitted infections and diseases.
0: Yeah, I I've I read an article one time about the science behind the Bible where where it attempted to basically find a scientific reason for most of the um well for some of the most uh, popular or well-known um sections of the Bible and that was mentioned and it, yeah. it I mean, yes, like you said, it is a truth. Like it it it's just, yeah. that is a fact. Like that is better or at least was better, it's kind of irrelevant now, I suppose, as a a lifestyle choice, Um, other than the fact that we, like, there's statistical evidence to support the fact that it works. Yeah, Um,
1: and and they would have had no uh, evidence or understanding of microbiology or anything like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But there's so much wisdom in, like, holy texts, like, and I don't think that their prescriptive use is great, as in I don't think they're necessarily a great thing to live by, I think... Like, I think there's a lot of truth to them, but that's not necessarily, like, they don't have to be sacred and, and prescriptive in terms of, you have to live your life this way, and etc.
0: Yeah, it's not endorsement, or...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's definitely something there. Like, it, if you look at the Bible and think, oh, it's just a stupid book that was written by people thousands of years ago, it's absolutely of no relevance today, then you need to tidy your room and watch a Jordan Peterson video. <laughs> you
0: even said tidy your room. Isn't that one of his...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, Bucko. Yeah. Oh man, I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a human being.
0: <laughs> Jesus, your your puns are bad, John. Did that one blow
1: <sighs> like a fan? I
0: like get you, you did. It. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's 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 just it's like the it's like the low-hanging fruit of of jokes you're trying to think of a you're trying to think of a pun about low-hanging fruit
1: aren't you that cut deep i'm not gonna lie (laughs) do you know the most cutting thing you can say to someone is who is this clown because a it not only implies they're a clown but b they're not even one of the better known clowns
0: that's one of the best tweets of all time
1: of all fucking time